I'm just pretty chill this morning. You'll be glad to know I've looked at my watch early, so we've got a lot of time, and you'll be on time as long as you haven't set a time too early. But I'm just feeling pretty chill. Grandbaby number four hit, didn't hit the ground, but it hit the table, I guess, so, so to speak. Yes. Thank you. He came with a surprise, eight pounds and 13 ounces. And the nurses and the doctor says, it's good we did this a little early. And Sarah said, we should have done it a little earlier. <laughs> now they're all huddled around the Heron home. Rachel and Eric and Junebug are in from Tyler. And they're uh, staying with me at the house. And Sally's staying at the other house where she's presiding over the Third World Council. And that really sets the setting for what I was planning to say this morning. Because Michael Lou, the middle child, is the perfect illustration for this morning's message. Because today I want to talk about what it means to have faith in things not seen. And the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction that rules your life. Since Thursday, actually I think since Wednesday night, the kids have been at our house. It's always great to have the grandkids, a six-year-old and an almost three-year-old. You know they're so entertaining. They're now getting to be the age of brother and sister. They were being so good. Sassy was having a particularly good time with them while they were wearing her out. Sassy being Sally's uh, uh, grandma name. So as the days wore on and I kept watching they begin to get antsy. And we went to the hospital to see the baby. And, oh, wow, you know. Before the baby arrived, they went in and saw Mommy on the bed, and they couldn't climb up with her. You couldn't talk Michael Lou into the bed. You know, she was having none of that. This was all strange stuff. And not yet three, so, but very verbal at the, all of a sudden the last uh, two or three months. Very verbal. Something to remember. And so the baby came. They went in and saw the baby, and they were so thrilled. Then they wanted to be all over the bed. And Michael Lou has been playing baby all week long at our house. She goes nowhere without the baby in its cloth and in its carrier and with her cell phone, just like mommy does, you know. <laughs> missing mommy, missing daddy, missing everybody, but doing good because she knows soon it'll be over. And it came over yesterday. I was wise enough to give them some space, and Eric and I went to see a movie while they all gathered together. I figured that was probably the safest place. We got back after the movie, and uh, another thing to help me chill out, I didn't go the first week without seeing probably the last Bourne movie. For those of you who like Bourne, if you don't like him, it's okay with me. I love it, so I like to go and see this tortured soul acting movies. So we went, and I, I figured what was going to happen was going to happen anyway. It might as well happen before I got there, but it didn't. We got there, and we had dinner. And then it was getting close to bedtime, but not bedtime yet. And Miller was playing with Daddy. He had Daddy's entire attention, building with cardboard pieces a house, kind of like what he builds on the computer, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he was really loving the six-year-old getting Daddy's full attention because Mommy, back in the bedroom, couldn't be bothered. The baby needed her, so she was there. Micah, well, she didn't like the way things were going down. Junebug was off in her room, and... She knew she should be the center of attention because that's her world. She was, you know, as long as Junebug's not here, she's in charge. So she walked up to where Miller was building his little building, 
and with one swat of her hand, she destroyed it. Chad, who's reclining on the floor, probably because he's really worn out for the last three days, was watching. I'm watching. Eric's watching. All the other women are gone. And Miller goes berserk on Michael Lou. But all he can do is grab her and squeeze a little and threaten her life. <laughs> and Daddy just sat there and, and, and kind of watched it, which I thought was humorous, sort of. This went on about the third time until Miller was chasing her down through the house. And you know what all was happening was very normal. It was going to happen because when a baby is no longer the baby and they're still a baby, less than three, they don't fully understand what's going on. They know that mama loves them. They believe that, but they can't see mama because mama's behind the door with this new something. Translated into three-year-old language. I don't really care for that new something now because I want my mommy. Sally was going to stay last night, but ended up at home in our bed. And you say, well, what happened? Micah happened. They put her in her bed, and she said, no, I am not sleeping here. And I understand, I, while the battle was raging, I was home. She won, and she and Miller ends up in bed with Chad, and Sally comes home. Not a bad deal for Sally, really. She gets a nice rest. You know, it all works pretty good. But here's the thing. Now they have to reconvince their child in a different set of circumstances that she's still just as loved as much as before with a three-year-old, less than a three-year-old's understanding, right? They have to slowly remind Miller, who's already experienced this once, that this is the same thing again, but he can't expect Michael Lou to understand all that's going on because she's not there yet. In short, what she has hoped for cannot now be seen. And what she once believed with all her heart is now challenged because of her living circumstances on this earth. You say, oh, a three-year-old can't think all that. No, all she can think about is I'm going to get this attention one way or another. I'm going to tear the house down. That's just the way three-year-old people are, right? When a new baby comes. Or 30-year-olds. <laughs> or sometimes 65-year-olds. You know what I mean? Yes, even 75-year-olds. Those grandchildren, if they don't do what I want them to do, I'm going to cut them out of my will. <laughs> we like a world that's predictable and is seen through the eyes that we want to see our world with. And we function very well as long as life keeps us in that familiar rut. But what happens when things change drastically and we don't fully understand it? What happens in our lives of faith when that happens? When the things that are hoped for turns out to be different. The song that y'all sang, I have to ask you, did y'all write that song? Did y'all write the song y'all just sang? Your nephew wrote it. He summed up a lot of the gospel message and a part of the gospel message I'm going to refer to today because it is key to going along with being able to believe when we don't fully see or are not fully able to touch the reality that we want the reality to be. And the gospel of Luke in the 12th chapter, verses 32 through 40, is a summation kind of at the end of the, of the passages before that where they are talking about not clinging to the things of this world but keeping your mind Above that, 
Much like the first song you sang when you came in for worship. Did you catch those words? Let's have them again, Lauren. The last two verses that we sang several times. Because this is what, I don't, I don't need to preach about it because you've already sung about it. Build your kingdom here. Let the darkness fear. Show your mighty hand. Heal our streets and land. And then there is set your church on fire. Win this nation back. Change the atmosphere. Build your kingdom here, we pray. That's what we're to do. And we have so much trouble doing that because we are like Michael Lou. Our minds are so earthly focused that we forget this life, as it talks about in Luke chapter 12, is more about the other world than it is this world. But we can't seem to get that, can we? This world is so important. I've got 70 years and they need to be blissful. You've already used up. About 16 or 17, 18 years, 17? How many? How old are you? 15? 17. Wow, man, 17 years are gone. But, you know, the odds tell you you got 53 more at least, and probably they'll be living to 95 by the time you're there. Now, the last 10 are debatable, what you might be doing. But, you know, wow, you got all that time, right? When you turn around, it'll all be gone. And you'll be going, what happened? And the Lord will be shouting, you're getting closer to me. You are. We think life is so long, and so therefore we give all of our energy to it. We give all of our energy to that new car and that new house and all the sporting activities for our children and all the pleasure for ourselves. We give our activity and our focus on building our kingdom here, but it's not the kingdom that we sing about in the song. We want to build our lives here. But we are made for life there. We are made for life there. And you say, yeah, but I can't touch heaven. I've never seen Jesus. Just what I was talking about with the children. And that's true. You haven't. And Thomas didn't believe it until he touched. But Jesus says, blessed are those who do not see but believe. Now, when I talk about faith and I talk about believing, I'm talking about that kind of faith. That makes a heavenly difference in our lifelong perspective. So we have a genuine urge, not for the things of this world, except then secondarily in relation to the things of the other world. Now you say, well, I'm working on that. And aren't we all in that what faith is? Michael Lou has faith that her mama loves her, but it's going to have to grow. Because right now she can't have mama the way she wants it. So her faith's got to have time to grow as she grows older and gets stronger. When we become Christians, our faith for most of us is pretty small. But what God expects of us after we begin to mature and have worshipped for 30 years in church is that our church, our faith should be strong enough to stand. To not only to stand, but to be at work in the lives of others around us, including our world. Our God expects our faith to become so heavenly oriented that it has an earthly impact in proportion to the amount of faith that we have. That's why so often you hear preachers talking about faith that is childlike faith. You hear Paul writing about it several times in Scripture. If our faith remains as a child or as a teenager, then we stunted what the kingdom of God can do within us and through us. It's easy to sing the song, build your kingdom here. It's a whole lot worse and more difficult to let that kingdom happen. God's got the hammer. 
got the nails, got the saw, got the equipment, got a master card that has no end. He can build his kingdom in you, but not as long as we're going, no, that's a little too fanatical. You know, I don't want to be like one of those Methodists at First Methodist Carrollton. They're fanatical. You know, they're so conservative. They're so serious about their faith. That's what I hear about y'all before I came. I'm so glad to see that often true. Often true. You say, well, what do you mean often true? I mean often true. Just what I said. Always true? Mm, no, I'm not going to say that. You said, why? Because you'd quit paying me. If you're already fully evolved, you wouldn't need me, right? Well, I'm here to tell you that you're not yet fully evolved. And you say, yeah, you've been telling us that for three years. Yeah, because we're still evolving. And you know what? When I'm 85 and I'm getting to preach because the preacher's on vacation, I'll be telling you the same thing. That young guy that's on vacation, when he comes back, he's going to be fired up. You need to get fired up with that young guy or that strong lady who's leading this congregation. Because it never gets over. over. It never gets over. We think we arrive. We arrive when we die. And before we die on this earth, we are trying to arrive. And to the extent that our faith is growing and maturing and believing in the things not seen, it affects all the things that are seen here on this earth. You say, that's a hard way to live. Certainly it is. Why do you think Michael Lou was mad? Somebody upset her worldview. Suddenly the world didn't revolve around her. She didn't like it. I don't like it when something happens, and I don't like it either. Some staff person wants to do something. I'm thinking they shouldn't be doing that. Why didn't they ask me? Oh, that's right. I told them to go ahead and do stuff without asking me. Sometimes I forget that. Sometimes I forget a lot of things. If it doesn't strike me the way I want it to strike me, right? But our faith is built on the things that are not seen. And it becomes a conviction that makes a difference in everything we do. And that's really all the sermon has to say today. A growing faith and a mature faith is a kind of faith that is in the things that are unseen with the conviction that they will happen. A week later... Nikki wouldn't come back if she could. My daddy, who died in 1995, wouldn't come back if he could. Why? Because they've experienced the things they hadn't seen. They've experienced a better place. You say, but what about? I don't, I don't care about the whatabouts. The whatabouts are about things we can touch. The things we can feel. The things we can believe that control our actions. Faith pushes us ever closer to God, pushes us into a deeper assurance that no one can disturb. When I went to seminary at SMU for the first year, I knew before I went they had a position, and their position was to try to tear down your faith so that you would build a new one. And that wasn't very hard to do with a conservative little boy out of Farmersville, Texas. A young man, although I was 27, I was still pretty young in the faith in terms of how seriously I'd been taking it. And so when they started challenging my faith, I got mad. How mad did you get? I got so mad I left. (laughs) That's how mad I got. And part 
of that anger was well-placed. Yeah, this is not a sermon about SMU or Perkins School of Theology. It's not that. But part of it was because I was not strong enough in my own faith to talk to those professors who were messing with my head and my heart. And I wouldn't allow that. So I went somewhere else where they could nurture my heart and stretch my head at a pace I could stand. Isn't that what you do with your children? Isn't that what they're going to do with Mike and Lou? As soon as mama recovers, she's going to have to do what every mother has to do. Will it be comfortable? Nope. She'll still be recovering from surgery. She'll still have this 14, 13 pound, 12, 8, this 9 pound baby in her arm. And then there'll be this thing that weighs, I don't know how much Rachel weighs. She feels like she weighs more than Miller. And she'll be sitting in her lap too going, I belong there. And she'll have to find a way to have them both in her lap. Miller, okay, he's getting old enough. He'll revert to the computer, right, the iPad, or wait till Daddy gets home. He can grow that much and has grown that much. Michael Lou's not. Neither is Michael Lou as sweet as Miller. Michael Lou's got a strong, strong will. Comes from way back on Sally's side of the family, I suppose. But that will will have to be dealt with. And it's better if it comes from mom and daddy. And I'm going to only preach this sermon since they're not here. But if mom and daddy don't provide it, you know Sassy and Papa will. Because we can only watch so much of this worldly stuff until we have to talk about the next world. Faith is a relative reality that should be growing throughout our lives. Life on this earth challenges us and makes it easier to need Christ. The best thing about the junk in this world is that it makes us more vulnerable. Because every civilization that has matured and achieved and grown and become famous has done what? What's happened? What happened to Rome? What happened to Greece? What happened to every blessed civilization that got stronger and stronger and stronger until what? Until they collapsed. Because they got so concerned about the things of this world and so convinced of their own power and strength that they didn't need the invisible things of God. What threatens our great nation now is not Donald Trump and it's not Hillary Clinton. What threatens our great nation now is that we think more about this world than we do the world to come. When our faith is rooted and grounded in that hope for reality, and when we are convinced that that's all that really matters, then God will heal our land. And Christ will return. You say, well, that just makes it too simple. I know. But I'm a simpleton person. You know that by now. I know it's hard to do. It's very difficult to do. Closing illustration of how hard it is to focus on what's important. We redid the shower in the house we moved in. We even got one of those fancy kind of glass things around. You know, it doesn't have any seams, they call it. 
And the first time I took a shower in it, it wetted down half the bathroom. Why? Because they didn't have the little rubber seal on the bottom, they told us. So they came back and they did the, water, the little seal thing on the bottom. Mentioning that there was still a flaw in the shower. I got in this morning. I was so careful. I got in the back part of the shower where I couldn't get any water around the door. Looked outside. There's a stream of water going down the middle of my bathroom. Right here where I spent all this time and money. And I can't even get a shower without wading through the river. <laughs> Big deal. Right? And you say, well, what are you doing about it? You, you're calling the guy to put it in, aren't you? Well, yes. Probably I am. Why? Because that shower needs to be right. Nothing is more important than a perfect shower. Right? Right? The perfect furniture. Eight years, nine years in Frisco, Texas taught me one thing. That people can flock to a city where nearly everything was new and they love it. And it doesn't help their outlook on life one bit. In fact, it makes them worse. Sally used to teach her students in ESL that this is not real life. Frisco, Texas is a bubble. It's a small town. They went poof, and everything was built new. And so everything is shiny and bright and new, and it looks like everybody's got a fortune. They don't. They're in debt up to their necks, a lot of them. They're perhaps less happy than many who stayed in Carrollton, Texas. Who came to Carrollton, however, to chase that same kind of earthly lifestyle. Oh, I know the chase is fun. But salt it down with what's really important. Keep your gaze heavenward. Father God, we thank you that we are not of this world even though we're in it. That we belong to another kingdom, to another place, to another reality. And we pray, Lord, that we might live in just that same way. As people who are guided and focused about the things that are of eternal nature instead of the things that are of the earthly nature. This is our prayer, and it's all offered in Christ's name. Amen.